We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usain Koshal. We are recording this episode on a Wednesday, April 5th here. The weather is starting to get a little bit warmer here, You say It's a little stormy in the Chicagoland area over the last few days, um, but we're closer and closer to the NFL draft, and we have more episodes coming up, and today, just continuing with our position preview series here as we kind of wind things down before the draft. But before we get into the subject of, of today's episode, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're right. You know, NFL draft, I believe, is going to be two weeks from this Thursday. So by the time this um, podcast is out, so you're right, it's approaching fast and it's going to be an incredibly interesting one, especially with, you know, all the storylines we've seen over like the last three to six weeks. Yeah, actually, I, I look, just looked at it right now. We are three weeks away from the start of the NFL draft, so it's crazy how fast this thing is coming up. I'm I'm really excited for it. I, I just can't wait because I'm so tired of the lack of Bears news going on right now. I feel like you know we're going to get a lot of content going on once we get to the draft, but until that time, we're just going to continue to plug away at these position previews. Um, we've got a mock draft you know, planned ahead in the future, but you know that's all in the future. Let's focus on the present right here, right now and focus on our topic of today, and that's previewing the running back and linebacker classes for um, this upcoming 2023 NFL draft class. Um, And this is kind of a a dichotomy here because uh, I feel like just looking at these classes from just a general viewpoint, um, they're a little bit on the opposite of extremes, whereas I feel like the running back class this year is – one of the stronger classes in this draft class, whereas the linebacker draft class class this year, you know, it's, it's among the weaker, if if not the weakest group um, or weakest position uh, among this draft class here. So um, at least that's the way I see it. You say, just looking at this thing from a general standpoint, how are you viewing both the running back and linebacker groups this year? Yeah. I mean, I think running back is, a bit more stacked than we've seen in years past. And I think really what puts this class over the top is the presence of a guy like a Bijan Robinson, who is going to be one of the highest selected running backs we've seen in recent years. I think dating back to 2018, there's only been one running back selected in like the top 10, which was Saquon Barkley. And let's just be honest, knowing how we Roseman and the Eagles, I would not be surprised to see Bijan Robinson go to Philadelphia at 10th overall. But even so, right, I just think it's one of those where, you know, you don't really have any, especially at the linebacker position, there's no, like, top-tier blue-chip prospects. It's just more so, like, this is what you have, guys that are going to develop into, like, quality starters. But there's no one that you're looking at. You're like, that's going to be the guy that's going to be a face of a defense moving forward. And, again, running back, we know. It's just, like, the value of these guys 
keeps decreasing year after year after year to the point where, you know, teams are going to have running backs on cheap four-year deals and then just look to draft a guy, you know, every few years in the later rounds, knowing that it's just what makes the most sense, especially with the way that you're seeing rosters being built, which part of a roster being built isn't just having and adding talent at premium positions like tackle, quarterback, wide receiver. There's also, you know, the concept of extensions, which when you have positional value and the market for receivers, quarterbacks, tackles is going up, someone's got to be on the chopping block. And that means running backs are going to get the short end of the stick. Yeah, the reason why we group these two positions together, running back and linebacker, is because they're kind of similar for either side of the ball. They're positions that are getting increasingly devalued, I feel like, in the modern-day NFL where you know we already know about running backs not being um, as important as they once were, and a lot of teams are getting a little bit smarter about not you know, investing too much in these guys. The same is going for linebackers. We've been going in the similar direction the last few years where teams just aren't as willing to invest a ton in linebackers. And we're seeing a lot of cases where teams that draft these linebackers high and give out big linebacker contracts don't really work out because just because of the nature of the position, um, really, um, for different reasons, though, that we can kind of get into as we go along here. But, um, I mean, you said it, the, the running back class is a little bit more of an exciting, there's a little bit more of a, you know, blue chip talent aspect to this grab group. And, you know, without further ado, like, let's get started with that group of positions right here because the running back class I think there's a lot more players to talk about here certainly um you know I'll be honest with you said I had a tough time putting my top five list together for running backs because a lot of it depends on the type of running backs the type of style that you want in a running back but also there are just so many guys that I really like in this draft class especially in the day two early day three era of the draft that it was really tough for me to kind of parse through these guys and, and put them in a set order that I felt comfortable with. So I'll start with you for our top five running backs in this draft class. Who did you have for your top five? Yeah. I mean, number one, I think he's a consensus number one guy and it's remained that way just throughout the pre-draft process. It's got to be Texas Longhorns running back Bijan Robinson. I mean, not only is he a bigger running back compared to what we've seen, enter the NFL over the last couple of years in the sense that he's about six feet tall, 222, 25 pounds. You know, you're seeing a guy who is got great vision, great feet, you know, can certainly turn to jets on is dangerous in space has a high level of versatility as well. Meaning he can kind of be a threat as a runner, but then also be a threat as a receiver. You can see him lining up in the slot as well. So he's really kind of your, do it all guy. Now, earlier I had mentioned that Bijan Robinson is probably the best running back prospect we've seen since Saquon Barkley. And I still think that that's true, but I don't see Bijan ever being, at least in college, he was never as dynamic as a guy like Saquon Barkley was because Saquon had this insane amount of speed that Bijan Robinson doesn't really possess. So that's who I've got at number one. Number two, you know, you fly out to the West Coast. And again, if you stay up late at night watching Pac-12 games, you've probably heard of Zach Charbonnet. He's a guy who, again, has a lot of experience, been a three- to four-year starter at UCLA. And really, when I watch Zach Charbonnet, I would describe him as being a bowling ball. And I say that because he's got – really good lower body strength, you know, a thick lower half. He has got excellent contact balance. And then just the way that he moves and is able to truck over defenders. I mean, it's some of the best in this class. And then you just look at, you know, who he is as a runner. You're getting really a guy who can run between the tackles is a North South guy, you know, a hard downhill runner, kind of like a Josh Jacobs light with great vision as well as just excellent patience, you know, and when he is able to, dig his back foot into the ground and continue to make those cuts, then you see him take off incredibly easily. And I think that's really where Zach Charbonnet is making some of his best money. Now there are aspects to his game that I look at and I say the one major red flag that he has is I wouldn't label him a surefire home run hitter. Like, yeah, he gets in space and he's dangerous, but he doesn't have that kind of breakaway speed that you would want from a running back. And then number three, I've got 
Alabama's very own Jamar Gibbs. Again, you know, Alabama's turned out some solid running backs over the last couple of years, and Gibbs does have a dual threat skill set, being a receiver out of the backfield as well as a really good running back. You know, he can offer some solid value, I like to think, at the next level as a returner just watching him. But with him, it's this, right, is he's a pretty solid um runner due to his explosiveness as well as just the athleticism that he possesses but really where he can make his best money at the next level and kind of what puts him over the top from just being another running back to being a pretty good playmaker is the value that he provides as a receiver because he does have a pretty decent route tree which again if you are a team with a dual threat quarterback like Bijan robinson jamar gibbs probably going to end up being your quarterback's best friends because those guys will give defenses nightmares every single game. And then you've got number four, Kenny McIntosh from Georgia. You know, I think a guy that some people aren't necessarily the highest on, but when you look at him, I mean, he's got the ideal size and he was highly productive as well in 2022 with, you know, I think like 900 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns, average about six yards a carry. And so the thing I love about Kenny McIntosh is just how quick and decisive he is on his feet. Because when you look at him, I mean, his cuts are incredibly smooth. You know, he gets into space and he's hard to bring down. And then what happens is when cornerbacks, I've noticed, are trying to go for his knees and bring him down, he, boom, just is willing to lower the hammer and run right through them. Now, with Kenny McIntosh, as much as he's got a phenomenal skill set, there's also question marks that exist because he was never really the bell cow running back at Georgia, right? Which, again, if I had to look at the Bulldogs roster and Bulldogs football in general, I would say the last like true workhorse running back that they had was Todd Gurley. Ever since then, it's just been a whole bunch of um, rotational guys. And the number five is Tank Bigsby from Auburn. Again, a bigger running back at about six feet, 210 pounds. And, you know, when you look at him, right, I think you're just getting a really smart, tough, instinctual runner, a guy who's got a feel for the way that the offensive line is moving, the way that the defensive line is moving, which plays into how patient he is as well as his vision. And then what happens is this, right, is there are times where, you know, that patience kind of really works against him because he decides to cut too late by planting his foot in the ground or he is a tad bit too early and the next thing you know he's on the ground so Tank Bigsby is a player that you look at and you say okay you know what he's somewhat one-dimensional he doesn't really have extensive experience as a receiver but he can still be good enough to the point where you can develop and get him there but you know he's going to need a lot of work However, he can still provide enough value as a solid running back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think for me... We're pretty similar to top three. Number one is obviously Bijan. Like I think, as as in terms of being an all around running back prospect, I think he's right up there with what Saquon Barkley was coming out of Penn State in 2018, I believe it was. Like like you said, Saquon was more explosive, more of a home run threat. But Bijan, I think he offers more 
on a down to down basis because he's got a lot of power. He has the ability to break tackles. He's not afraid to, um, you know, stick his nose in there and, you know, get, you know, those tough yards, so to speak. And he has great ability as a receiver as well. He's really natural. If you split him out wide, he can run some routes. He's got good hands. Like he's the full package at running back. Again, the only thing he's lacking is, is true elite home run speed. But other than that, like, He's got everything. He can make you miss. He's got really good contact balance. He breaks tackles. He's got a good power profile. He can run behind any, uh, you know, rushing scheme that you want. Like, there's really not a ton that I really dislike about Bichon's game. Like, and he had this ridiculous stat last year, um, 104 forced missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. So this is somebody that is really tough to bring down. He rarely goes down. Like I, I rarely saw him go down on the first tackle attempt. So that that's just something that really stands out to me. Um, he's probably the only running back in this class that I would take in the first round. If it, in fact, I'm just gonna say like he's the only running back I would consider taking round one. And he's if you just take positional value out of it, he's probably one of the top three prospects in this class. But unfortunately, he plays running back, so he's probably not gonna go as high as he maybe should. But I think if you're a team, once you get to like that 20 area and you're a team that needs a running back and um, running back is a big part of your offense, um, because there are some offenses out there that do value running back a little bit more than some other teams, especially guys that you know can catch the ball out of the backfield like he can. Um, I think he's worth you know the draft selection there. And I think you know what you're getting. You're getting an elite running back on a rookie contract for four to five years, and he's going to be an outstanding player for you in your offense that you can kind of use him as a building block for your offense as well, which is very rare as a running back position. Um, my number two running back is Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Um, you know, he's kind of like, I wouldn't say he's, he's the opposite of Bijan Robinson, but he does he certainly doesn't have the down-to-down power profile that Robinson has. He's more of that big play threat out of the backfield. He's a true receiving back out of the backfield um, and somebody that, you know, if you give him open space, he's going to hit a home run pretty much every single time that you give him that opportunity. He's really more of a weapon as opposed to a true, you know, bell cow running back to the next level. So for teams that are very creative with using these guys and out of the backfield, um, he is like the perfect fit for some of those teams that want someone who's explosive that can create big plays in both the rushing game and the passing game. He's a great um, check down option, but he can also run routes out of the backfield and split up wide as well, which I really like about his game. And he kind of has, he's not the like most shiftiest, like with the ability to string together moves as opposed to some of these other guys in this class. Um, But he just has that one, that ability to make that one cut and, explode off of that one cut to make a defender miss. And then he's going full speed um, down the field. And, you know, he ran a four, three, six, 40 at the uh, NFL combine. He's got that, you know, playmaking speed about him. I, I, I would take him in the second round. Probably. I think that's a, probably a safe space, you know, safe spot to take him. I, I've been hearing first round buzz for him lately though. So I'm not sure I would take him that high. Like, even early second round, I'm not sure if I take him that high. Like mid to late second round, I think it's a good place to uh, draft Jameer Gibbs because he has that you know explosive element to his game. He has the receiving ability, and he's somebody that can be a very fun part of an offense. I think if you use him correctly, if you're using him to be a you know a true three down like bell cow back where he's getting 25 30 carries or 25 30 touches a game i don't think that's the best way to use him i think keeping his touches to about 15 to 20 per game is the best way to kind of maximize him and if you do that you're gonna get an explosive back who can create a lot of big plays uh number three for me is zach charbonnet out of ucla um you kind of said it like there's a lot of things to like about his game i think he's probably outside of Bijan. he's probably the most well-rounded running back in this draft class because um, you know, he can carry a high workload. He did so at UCLA. He's got very good power. He can run in any scheme that you want. Um, he's got good hands out of the backfield. He can pass protect a little bit, good size, but just not, you know, he's not a, a burner or he's not a guy who's going to create, you know, run away from a lot of guys. That's probably the one thing in his game that kind of, you know, you know, dinged him for me a little bit and why I kind of see him as like a third round guy in this draft class. I've been seeing a lot of second round buzz for Charbonnet. I personally wouldn't draft him until the third round um, because, you know, he has a lot of carries on him already. He's, you know, and, and that's something that kind of worries me going to the next level is how quick he's going to wear down. But 
as a guy in his rookie contract, I think he's one of the safer picks in this draft because you know what you're getting out of him. He's a guy who can take 20, 25 carries a game for you right away in the NFL. He can contribute on all three downs. Um, he has the ability to break tackles. He's got good vision. Um, you know, maybe not the most elusive player in the world, but I don't think you necessarily need to do that when you have the ability like him to, you know, break tackles and um, create yards after contact like he can. So, um, and he's not like a bad athlete or anything. He's just not the most explosive athlete, I think is the best way to put it. But I think he's a definitive number three for me. I think there's a lot to like about him. And if you draft him again, like I said, on the third round, he can be very useful on your rookie contract before, you know, you have to make a decision on whether you want to pay him as big second contract or not. But before that, like he's going to be very productive, I think, right away in the NFL. He's, gonna, he's probably going to be a guy that we look at uh, next year around this time and say, man, a team got a really good value out of Zach Charbonnet in the third round because he came in, produced right away, and produced a lot of value for a team as a running back who can produce in a know contribute in a lot of ways uh number four for me is a guy who has been under the radar i've been seeing him on a lot of day three um mocks for me but personally i also see him as a third round pick if anything i was almost considering putting him above charbonnet because i like him so much but that's roshan johnson out of texas and it's wild that you know texas had two of the best running backs it's my opinion two of the top four running backs in this draft class on their same team but trust me like the only reason roshan johnson wasn't you know, I, I think wasn't a top back in the in the uh, in college football this year, and isn't considered a consensus, you know, top running back in this year's draft class is because he was playing behind literally the best running back prospect in maybe the last five years um, for his entire college career. So you look at Johnson's game, and what stands out to me is that this guy just has a ridiculous ability to break tackles, um, broke tackles on about if I look at this right, he, he had 46 forced missed tackles last year on 94 carries. So that's a ridiculous amount of um, broken tackles on that low of carry. So he's very efficient with that. He can elude guys by sidestepping you. He can juke you out. He can run you over. He's got good contact balance. Um, he's got good hands out of the backfield, I think, in my opinion. He's not the most, like, elusive in terms of, like, or, or shifty in terms of running routes. But, you know, he can contribute out of the backfield in the passing game. And for my money, Johnson's the best pass protecting running back in this draft class. He had to do a lot of the dirty work at Texas because um, he wasn't getting a ton of carries behind Bijan Robinson. So he had to be able to block at Texas. Um, he kind of played a lot of fullback duties for them as well. It's kind of like a lead blocker for Bijan at times. And he was excellent um, as, as a blocker this past year. And he showed that out the senior bowl as well. So Johnson, I think he's ready to go day one as a three down back. I think he's got a lot of juice and because he didn't get a ton of carries in the NFL or in college, I should say, he should be ready to go in the NFL and should be fresh really from, you know, a workload standpoint. So I'm not too worried about him breaking down early. Um, and again, he's one of the best in this class at breaking tackles. The only thing he lacks, in my opinion, is, you know, that breakaway speed, just like, you know, Zach Charbonnet. Like both of those guys ran in the four fives um, for their 40-yard dashes. So neither of them are, you know, home run threats. But if you're looking for a guy who's just very solid and can contribute as a three-down back right away, Roshan Johnson's another guy for me. I would pick him in the third round, but it looks like he's going to be a day three guy, which if you get him on day three, that's tremendous value. And then for number five, this is where it gets – this is where it got tough for me because I really couldn't decide here. So I'm going to cheat here, um, and my number five is going to be depending on what you're looking for running back. If you're looking for a true um, two-down running back in this draft class, my number five, I'm going to say uh, Dwayne McBride out of UAB. Um, besides uh, Bijan Robinson, I think McBride, we would be considering him the best pure runner in this draft. The thing with McBride, though, is that he has zero ability to, to be a third down back. Like, he's very unproven. They did not use him as a receiver in college. You know, he's unproven as a pass protector. He, they basically just use him as a runner at, at UAB, and he was very effective in that aspect of things. Like, he ra- rushed for over 1,700 yards last year, over seven yards per carry, 19 touchdowns. Um, this guy is just a beast. Like, he's he's got good size at five foot 10, 210 pounds. Good speed, good elusiveness, good power. He's got everything you want from a running back from a, a pure rushing standpoint. It's really just can he contribute in the passing game is where 
I kind of get worried for him at the next level, and I'm not sure where he's going to go because of that. Um, I could see a team taking a chance on him in the third round. I could also see him being like a fourth or fifth round pick because of his unproven skill set in the receiving game. But if you are looking for somebody who's more of a receiving type back, but not necessarily a bell cow on, on early downs, Ty J. Spears out of Tulane is the guy for me. Like this guy is a big time threat, a big time play threat. Every time he gets the ball in his hands, he can contribute as a receiver. He runs good routes out of the backfield. He's quick. He's explosive. Um, just doesn't really have the power profile, I think, but he's got pretty decent size at five foot 10, 200 pounds. So he's not like undersized or anything. He's just, he's just not a power back at the next level. And all these other guys have, you know, are bigger backs who can you know run with power at the next level. That's not going to be Ty J Spears game. He's an elusive guy. He's going to break tackles in terms of make you miss ability uh, with his agility and then give him the open field. And he's going to run away from guys at the next level. So, those are kind of like, that's my top five or top six, I should say. Um, but there are a lot of other running backs to talk about in this draft class. You say like, there's a lot of guys that I want to get to, but we're just not going to have the time for. So let's just get to our sleepers and overhyped prospects. Let's start with our sleepers and stay positive here. Um, I'll go to you on this. You say, who is your sleeper in this draft? Yeah, my sleeper is actually a local Illinois running back. So that's Chase Brown. I mean, I think you watch Chase Brown, and there's shades of a lot of different stuff there. The first thing you're looking at is a player who is going to be able to handle a high volume of work in the NFL. And then you look at just, you know, his dynamic skill set. What you think you're really seeing is outside of a high volume runner, a guy who's got a significant amount of speed, you know, he's not ever going to be a guy who turns into like your do it all type of running back or kind of workhouse workhorse spell cow type guy he's not a major mismatch either but he does have that home run hitter quality that i think all sort of running back prospects want to have and i just love the explosiveness that you know chase brown brings and then the upside from him this past season just as a pass catcher i think was phenomenal you look at his first couple seasons in illinois really wasn't that dynamic of a pass catcher but he really burst onto the scene in 2023 so chase brown's a guy that you look at you say okay you know the potential is certainly there for him to develop into a solid running back overall yeah for me there were two guys i I was considering here one of them keaton mitchell out of um East Carolina University, undersized scat back, who I really liked in this draft on, on day three as a day three pick. But the one guy I'm going to mention here um, and go through his game a little bit, Israel Abaniconda out of Pittsburgh. And this guy is like, I wouldn't say similar to Ty J Spears, but um, he is a pure home run threat at the running back position. He's a guy who has 4'3 speed. At when you look at his size profile, 5'11, 217 pounds. So this guy has good size for the position. He's got really good speed for the position. He's explosive, had a 41 inch vertical at his pro day um, for, for Pittsburgh there. And what I really like about his game is that he is an explosive player in the open field. He's only 20 years old, so he's developing. He's still got a ways to go and a ways to get be- and a lot of things to get better at. But the speed size profile is all there, and he had a lot of big plays. Um in this past season, he had 20 touchdowns last year. And a lot of those touchdowns were him just making that one cut and just exploding through a hole and nobody could catch him at the second level. Like this guy has truly elite speed at the running back position. And I think for, if you're a team like the bears who runs that wide zone Shanahan style of offense, where they want to get these guys, you know, getting on the outside game in space and, getting in a position where they just have to make one cut and go and explode through a hole. Like a body conda is literally like made for that, you know, style of offense there because that's what he's good at. He's not, he doesn't have a ton of shiftiness. He's not very creative. He does have some power in his game that he can develop. I think um, he can make guy miss. He does have good contact balance or shows, shows flashes of it. I should say, but to me, he's kind of like a carbon copy of Raheem Mostert. And you remember Raheem Mostert when he was on the 49ers and for the Dolphins last year, you know, he wasn't a guy who was going to be very consistent on a down-to-down basis. But if you block things perfectly, he was such a dangerous player for the 49ers when he was there because 
he's just so explosive and so fast at the second level. No one could catch him once he got past the past the line of scrimmage to this linebackers and to the secondary. Um, just a very tough guy to catch up to. And if you don't take the right angle on him, he's gone basically. Um, so I really like a, a Bonnie Conda. Um, I think he'd be a perfect fit for the Bears. But a lot of these Shanahan schemes, I could see the 49ers taking a chance on him. The Dolphins could be interested on him. Uh, I could see the Packers, the Titans, a lot of these teams that kind of run that scheme. A body conda is like a perfect fit for that. I, I personally like, I, I would take a chance on him in round four, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's available in the fifth round, just because of how deep this running back class is. And the bears have two fifth round picks. Like if I'm the bears, like why not take a chance on a guy like that because of the scheme fit and because of what he could provide um, on the ground. But you know, we've talked about some of the sleepers in this draft class, and there are a lot of other running backs that I really like. I, I, I had to preface that, and it was tough for me to find a guy that was overhyped in this class for me. Um, but you say, I'll go to you. Who's your overhyped guy in, in this draft? Yeah, I think, you know, my overhyped guy is going to be a bit of a surprise just because I know that this is a lot of people's draft crush. But look at Texas A&M running back Devin Achain for just a second. Like, People will say, you know, his elusiveness, his versatility, kind of what he did at AM being a dynamic playmaker and just the face of, or one of the faces of the Aggies offense. And again, we're, we're not going to go ahead and diminish any of that because that's all valid. But I think where I have issues with him is there's a lot of basic stuff, I feel like, which is holding him back. You look at Devin's inability to kind of be a solid pass blocker he's not necessarily the strongest guy especially in the lower half of his body and then you ultimately have to question you know his size as well because when I look at his size I mean he's coming in roughly at like 5'9 I think 180 something pounds so it's it's one of those situations where and I know he's a bit bigger than Tariq Cohen, but he kind of reminds me a bit of Tariq Cohen simply because he is this versatile kind of home run hitter, this guy that has all the speed, this guy who when he gets in space is incredibly shifty and elusive. But then at the end of the day, the size works against him. So does the lack of um, ability to be a pass protector and pick up those extra blitzes that are coming. So a chain's a player where... It's, it's weird because you look at the mock drafts and I think the consensus is a lot of people seem to think he's like a second, late second, early third round guy. I would argue he's more so like a early fourth, probably early fifth round guy at best. But he's not a guy I would take within like the first three rounds of the draft. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, a chain is is a little bit tough, like you said. Like I really like his game. He's explosive. He's he's a lot of fun to watch, and I think there's a role for him in the NFL. But the size definitely gives me some pause. I agree. Like the first three rounds is, is a little bit of a risk for me, but he's he's a fun player. I think he's going to be productive at the next level. It's just I I don't think he's a guy who's going to be able to take a ton of you know carries at the next level because of the size, and I, I'm just not sure what kind of role you would use him for at the next level um, for my overhyped guy. I'm actually going to go through sleeper here. Um, Chase Brown out of Illinois. And a lot of, I have a lot of friends who went to Illinois, so they're probably going to flame me for this one, but uh, Chase Brown, um, you know, it's not that I think he's a bad prospect, but 
you know, he, he's kind of similar to Abani Kanda in the sense that both these guys are uh, speed backs who rely on, you know, making that one cut and getting downhill and are just very explosive in the open field. But the difference for me and these guys is one, Abani Kanda, he's 20 years old. Um, Chase Brown is going to be 23 years old to start his uh, NFL career. He had a lot of carries this past year, so there is a lot of mileage on him going into the NFL. Um, both these guys are fast, but the thing that worries me about Chase Brown, a couple things here. One, he, five foot nine, 209 pounds, so he's a little bit on the smaller side for these running backs, and he has zero pro, uh, power profile to his game. Like His contact balance isn't great. He doesn't generate any power. Um when he's trying to run over guys um, and he's not the most shifty elusive guy either. So he's someone who relies purely on his speed. And as a guy who's a little bit on the smaller side, you know, I, I question whether that's going to really work in terms of having a you know huge role at the next level. Like I think he'll be fine as like a rotational guy, a guy who can be a change of pace back. But if you're looking for someone who can, you know, have a lot of carries and be a significant part of your offense, I kind of question things there for him. Um, and then fumbles was a big issue for him last year. He had six fumbles last year. So that's something that has to be cleaned up. That's something that, you know, can be cleaned up. I'm not saying that's like a huge red flag for me, but yeah, I mean, the ball security issues. Are, I mean, if, if you can't, you know, if you are unable to stop yourself from fumbling at the next level, like you're not going to play. So Chase Brown, older prospect, doesn't have a power profile. I'm not sure how useful he's going to be as a receiver at the next level. And you know, outside of his speed, I'm just not sure what he brings to the table there. So, um, yeah, those those are – so that's the running back position and, and some of the guys that we profiled here today. Uh, before we get to the linebacker position, you say, let's let's talk about strategy for the Bears because I think, you know, running back – you look at, the, look at the running back position for them right now. They let David Montgomery go in free agency. Um, they brought in Deontay Foreman on a one-year deal. They have Khalil Herbert. Um they brought, brought in Travis Homer on a two-year deal to kind of be like a third down guy, a special teamer. But outside of those three, like that's all the Bears have right now for the running back room. So I think there is room to add another running back here. How would you go about adding a running back to this group you stated in this draft? Well, you mentioned it earlier. Like the Bears have multiple fifth round picks. They've got multiple picks on day three. So if I'm writing polls, I mean, I'm not taking a running back earlier than the fifth round simply because there's so many different needs that this team has, more important ones, whether it's finding a starter, whether it is adding depth to a key position like offensive tackle that this team, quite frankly, needs to figure out. Now, if we see, look, what makes adding a running back via the NFL draft so complicated is that the Bears actions and offseason moves this offseason have shown us that they're trying to transition into a more pass happy offense and a pass first offense and rightfully so because that's the way Justin Fields is gonna go ahead and take off now I would say this, that if a player like a Devin Shane continues to fall or a guy like a Chase Brown, let's say, is there, or a guy like an Israel Akambandu, I can't say that name correctly, then I think you go ahead and you draft one of those guys. But ultimately, it's one of those cases where, you know, it's just like, like it's a waste of a draft pick to take a running back earlier than day three, simply because if you do... Even if it is B. John Robinson, I will stay true to this. It's more of a luxury pick than it is actually filling and addressing a need. Because, again, if there's one thing that we saw from Khalil Herbert as well as Dante Foreman last year is that both of those guys are serviceable enough. But the way the league is going is it's like you don't need, you know, a workhorse running back to carry your team anymore. Like it's a pass happy league. So you don't need to have a star studded running back. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think, you know, the smart the smart thing to do for the Bears would be to wait until day three because they need to use their early resources to, to uh, invest in this defensive line. The offensive line needs work. They need to, I think they still need to add, you know, playmakers at wide receiver, tight end, like cornerback is a little bit of a need for this team. Like there are needs at a bunch of different places. Running back is just not the biggest priority in my opinion. But if there's a value in a guy in the fourth round, at least for me, like let's say Roshan Johnson is there for them, who I think would, would be a good fit for this scheme. I, I mentioned um, Israel Abani Kanda as a guy in the fifth round that I really like. Um, 
you know, there are a lot of options there. And some other guys that I think could be in play for them, like Keandre Miller, Sean Tucker out of Syracuse. Um, if Dwayne McBride is there on day three, I think he'd be a very good fit for what they want in a running back. He's kind of a guy who has a power profile with some explosiveness. Um, you know, yeah, there there are a lot of options in, in this running back class. So I, I agree. I think they should be patient. Wait till day three. And if there's a guy that they really like, a guy they can get good value on, um, take a guy there because I think I, I have no problem investing a day three pick in a running back, you know, if not every year, every other year, because, you know, you don't want to pay these guys second contracts. But if you ha- can have good depth of that position, um, you know, you, that can provide you a very nice running game with a running back by committee approach, which I think the Bears are going to be going to be doing this upcoming year so now let's shift gears and go to the linebacker class and we're probably not going to have as much to say about this class i should be honest here because um i'll i'll be honest you say like i was studying this linebacker class like it's it's not good man it's 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 pretty rough there are some players that i'm excited to talk about a little bit but um yeah it it was this is a little bit of a tough track of of a class to to get through for the linebackers and linebacker certainly isn't a need for the bears after they went out and signed Tremaine Emmons and TJ Edwards in free agency. Um, so it's not something that I think is going to be high on their radar necessarily, but uh, we still got to talk about some of the players in this draft class that, you know, could be options for, for them on the, down the road here. So I'll start with you for your top five linebackers. You say, who do you? Yeah, I think this is again, not a very good linebacker class and don't be shocked if we don't see any of these guys go in round one, but number one, I've got Trenton Simpson from Clemson. I think he's the consensus number one guy on a lot of people's boards. You know, really a player who's about six foot four, 235 pounds. I love the way that Trenton Simpson can kind of kick from inside to outside. You know, that versatility goes and gives him a lot of extra pizzazz, I would like to say, as he kind of gets to the next level now. The big concern I have with Trenton Simpson, I think, is this is knowing that Brett Venables at Clemson played him kind of in multiple different spots because of the versatility he showcases. What is his role going to be at the next level? Because if I remember correctly, the last major Clemson linebacker to get drafted in the first round was Isaiah Simmons a couple years ago. And there was a lot of questions about, hey, what is Simmons kind of true fit at the next level? Now, when I look at Trent Simpson, I mean, I love just how rangy he is. His pursuit motor never, ever, ever seems to go off. And obviously he's an incredibly hard hitter, but he's also, you know, for being the guy who's the top linebacker in this class, not a guy that is incredibly scheme versatile. I think that, you know, teams are going to have to really take that into consideration when they look at where he might fit. Number two is my favorite, by the way. And, Again, if you guys were following my monthly mock drafts throughout the season, you know that I think it was like the November or December one. I actually mocked Jack Campbell of Iowa to the Bears. And one of the reasons I love Jack Campbell is because he's your like old school linebacker, right? He's bigger, he's faster, he's got long arms, about six foot five, two hundred forty something pounds, you know. And he was a twenty twenty two Buckus Award winner. So when you look at Jack Campbell, I mean he really screams old school linebacker. I mean, he's got the size, the physicality, you know, his ability to process, read, react, and understand what the offense is doing is among the best in this class. And then you just look at him. The major limitations that you have are that he's not the most explosive athlete. He's also not incredibly, you know, rangy as well. But he is your kind of old school physical linebacker that is going to do enough to get the job done. So he's Jack Hample's a guy that I think has the ability to be like a really solid linebacker at the next level. I would say probably top 15. Number three is Drew Sanders from Arkansas. Again, a bigger guy. And when you look at Drew Sanders, I mean, I think he's got three down linebacker written all over him. I know that he originally had committed to Alabama, but decided to switch his commitment to Arkansas now. When you look at Drew Sanders, I mean, he's got incredibly loose hips just with the way that he's able to go ahead and move. And this explosive also played some when we look at Drew Sanders I think really what you're gambling on is the kind of arm length he possesses as just as 
his ability to be a true three down linebacker, but he also struggles at times when it comes to, you know, being a run defender in the box. And number four, another favorite of mine is Day and Henley linebacker from Washington State, an incredibly seasoned prospect, you know, transferred to Washington State and then just ended up kind of seeing his college career go to another level. When I look at Henley, there's, I think, a lot to like, right? He knows where the ball's at all times. He's an incredibly aware linebacker. He's got a really dynamic first step. And I think that, you know, He's incredibly explosive. Now, as an athlete, he's excellent as well, and he's a physical hard hitter, but you're still kind of seeing a certain level of growth take place. But I I think the growth, knowing somewhat of the experience that he has, may see some limitations there. And then number five is Henry Toto from Alabama. Again, you know... Alabama prospects get all the love and hype in the world. And Toto's a player that he's not the greatest athlete, in my opinion, but he is an incredibly smart linebacker and he's physical as well. He's pretty much just, I think, a tackling machine that has issues at times, you know, shedding blocks and then is inconsistent when it comes to defending the run. When when I look at him, right, you're looking at a guy who – Best case scenario develops into a three down linebacker, but worst case scenario ends up being a rotational player that really is going to win due to his physicality. Yeah, for me, I'll start with my number one here. Uh, Jack Campbell of Iowa is my number one linebacker in this draft class. I think he is probably the only linebacker that I would consider taking. In the second round, I don't I don't see any first round prospects in this draft class, but Campbell is just incredibly solid all the way around. Six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. He has that prototypical size around four six five forty. He actually tested like ridiculously athletic at the combine. Um, I'm not sure that translates as much to his film um, as I, I feel like his testing athleticism is a little bit better than what he showcases on film. But I mean, you can you can see when you watch them play like. This guy is a good athlete when you watch him play. He moves well in zone coverage. Like I feel like his instincts for the position are some of the best in this draft class, if not the best in this draft class. Um, he's just a very well-rounded player, very safe player. I know what I'm getting out of him at the next level. And I think he's a guy you take in the second round, you plug and play, and he's going to be a solid starter for you for the next you know, eight to ten years because – you know, I, I don't know if he has a ceiling to be like an all-pro player or a true difference maker for a defense, but if you just want a solid starter at linebacker, like he's as good as of a bet as there is, I think, in this draft class. Um, Diane Henley is my second um, player here at the linebacker position. Older prospects, uh, going to be 23 years old next year, but um, a converted um, offensive player to linebacker. Um, so he's relatively uh, new to, to the position, but uh, the athleticism really stands out. Um He's at stands about six foot two, 225 pounds, but ran four, five, 40 has pretty decent coverage ability already at this stage in time. Really for him. Um, it's all about developing the instincts for the position because that's going to be something that comes in times. He needs more reps at the position again, older prospect though. So I'm not sure if that's something that will develop, you know, immensely over time. Um, but because he's new to the position, you can figure that there's a lot of untapped potential there. But what surprised me about him when I, went back and study him being a, a converted player from offense to defense as if this guy tackles really well, um, very good tackler. Um, and somebody that I think, you know, with the right development, he could be a very nice player at the next level, a really quality starter because of his athletic traits. I, I personally would take him in the third round. Um, and when you look at my second, my third player here, same for him too. I take him in the third round um, Dorian Williams out of Tulane. Really like this player. Um, he's getting a lot of day three buzz right now, but in my opinion, um, I think he's a day two prospect. I think he's another one of these guys who converted from offense to defense, so he's relatively new to position, but I think he showed a little bit more coverage field than Henley. I don't think he's about, I don't think he's as good as a tackler as Henley. I don't think he's as comfortable playing around the line of scrimmage as Henley, but from a coverage standpoint, Dorian, uh, Dorian Williams might be the best coverage linebacker in this draft class. Like, um, he's got very long arms. I think he has like some like 33 inch arms or something like that, which is very long for the linebacker position. So 
he kind of fits the mold actually of like a prototypical Eberflus linebacker in many ways. So um, it would surprise me if like, if there was a linebacker the bears wanted, like Jordan Williams would probably be the guy. Um, but he, he's just one of those guys where again, very good athlete, ran a four five forty at the combine. Um, he, he's just somebody that's putting it all together. I think when he does put it all together, like he could be a, a difference maker, but it's going to take some time. It may take him a year or two to really develop, I think. And he's not really comfortable in the running game right now, taking on blocks and being physical in the box. So that's something that's going to have to come with time, but I love the upside and I would take a chance on him uh, on day two for sure. Um, my number four guy, another day two player, Drew Sanders out of Arkansas, more of a pass rusher with how he was used in college, but he, you know, he's transitioning to the off-ball linebacker role right now. There's a lot of a lot to like about his game, a lot to like about his upside. Um, a younger player at 21 years old, so you know, there is a lot to like about him. Um, just somebody that needs, I think, more reps, and um, he's a really good athlete, so he just needs that time to develop, I think. Um, could be a starter, has kind of a weird body type for the linebackers. I think a team that can use him as a versatile player, like the New England Patriots. I think he'd be a very good fit for um, where they can utilize him as a blitzer a little bit. Um, he can play some on the edge, play some, you know, as a rush linebacker, drop back in coverage a little bit. I think it's probably the best role for him. I'm not sure if he's a true Mike linebacker at the next level, though, at least from what I've seen for, so far from him. And then number five for me, um, going to be Ivan Pace Jr. out of Cincinnati. Um, this is a guy who, you know, the physical traits aren't necessarily there. He's kind of an undersized player, but you watch him play and man, this guy just gets the job done. Like this, he is a very physical player. He takes on blocks despite the fact that he's undersized um, gets into the backfield. He's a tremendous blitzer. Like he's probably the best blitzer in this draft class, both in the run game and passing game. Um, he, he plays with underrated strength. Um, not like the most athletic guy in the world, um, but just an insanely productive player. You know, a lot of teams are going to be, you know, thrown off by his lack of size. And I think he's going to go a little bit later in this draft class as like a day three pick. Um, that's probably where I would take him as well. But I don't know. I just have a feeling that he's going to be someone who plays in the NFL for a long time. Maybe he's not a full time starter. Maybe he's more of a spot starter in the NFL where you have a special designated role for him. But I just have a feeling he's going to be in the NFL for a very long time, and I feel very comfortable taking him early on day three because um, of the production, because of the instincts. He's got some of the best instincts in this draft class. So um, big fan of Ivan Pace Jr. Um, as a day three pick. So speaking of day three picks, let's get to our sleepers for this draft class because you know it was tough for me to kind of find a sleeper, I'll be honest, you saying in this draft class, but I'll start with you. Who's the one guy that you're looking for on day three that um, – could be a sleeper in this year's draft. You know, there's a handful of names that if I had to narrow it down to one guy, I would say my sleepers without a doubt, D winters from TCU. Now you look at him, right? And again, TCU kind of went to the national championship this past season. And I thought D winters really made a name for himself because if you follow his entire college career. It's like he started out as a safety. So, you know, he understands coverages in the back end of defenses and he transitioned over to playing linebacker as well. And then from there on, I think that, you know, his true versatility was just showcased because he was able to play basically all three linebacker positions. And when you have, I think that level of versatility, I think that the possibilities are essentially limitless. Now, what I love about D winter specifically is just as a run defender, he's, really solid what i mean by that is that the explosiveness the first step quickness is certainly there to go ahead and shoot those gaps and he's just always timing the snaps correctly i think that his experience playing safety shows up too in coverage simply because he's able to just anticipate and understand what a tight end or what a wide receiver is going to do before it actually happens but just his ability to be rangy versatile you know a well-rounded guy i think that D Winters is a name which is gonna fall, but it should probably end up being like an early fourth round pick. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
Yeah, for me, my sleeper in this year's draft is Owen Popoa out of Auburn. Um, undersized linebacker, six feet, 225 pounds, but um, a guy that I really like as a coverage player at the next level, ran a 4-4-40 on this year's draft. Just a very athletic guy. Um, and you know, I don't think he's going to be a great run defender in the NFL. In fact, I would I would bet that he's probably a poor run defender. So he's probably going to have to go to a defense that uses him in a limited role. But he has ability as a coverage player to be really effective in that part of the game. So if you're looking for a guy who can be like a dimebacker for you, I think fifth round is where I take him. And I think he'd be pretty productive there. Um, now, going on the opposite end of here, let's talk about our overhype players. You said, who's that guy for you in this class? Yeah, for me, the overhyped guy, and I think he's getting a lot of attention, probably more attention than he deserves, is Texas is very own DeMarvion Overshone. Like, you're looking at a guy who I think was a fifth-year senior, so certainly one of the oldest prospects in the draft. And then you just kind of look at his transition at Texas. It's like I did some research. He was originally recruited to play safety, didn't necessarily get snaps there ends up playing linebackers. So he's just a guy that is relatively new to the position. Now I understand people are going to say, okay, well look at his physicality, his arm length, you know, the measurables being six foot four, two twenty. And just look at kind of the speed he has as well as just the sideline to sideline speed. But at, at the end of the day, it's just almost like you have your red flags about any prospect, right? And for Overshone, I wonder just what he's able to do against the run. I, not going to sit here and say he's a great run defender. He's questionable at best. And then the inconsistencies in tackling consistently show up. And I think he's a safety who's still growing into a linebacker's body just because he does not have that lower strength that when, you know, he does kind of get blown off blocks that he's not necessarily able to recover quick enough to go ahead and get back into the play. So Overshone's a guy, you know, Social media will tell you you should probably be going in like round two, early round three. I see him as more of a guy who should probably go in late round four, early round five. Yeah, there were a lot of candidates that I had for overhype prospect because I, I don't think a lot of these guys – I think a lot of these guys are going to be going higher than they probably should just because, you know, it's, again, it's not a great linebacker class, but some of these guys could be pushed up the board because – um, you know, teams want to get these guys while they can because there's not a ton of depth in this class. But for me, man, you're number one. I, I do not see it with Trenton Simpson, I'll be honest. Like, first of all, the positives to his game, this guy's a freak athlete. I, 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 that is not my, my worry with him whatsoever. Again, he's a little bit undersized, but I think, you know, there's a lot of undersized linebackers in today's NFL. I don't, I don't think he's particularly undersized for, today's game um kind of a hybrid player at clemson they used him as kind of like a slot defender last year so he's kind of you know a weak side linebacker i think for a lot of teams in the nfl today is probably where you know his best fit would be if you want to transition him there but man like great athlete um ton of potential i don't think he knows how to play football i i, I go back and watch you know his tape this year from this last season. And he, I swear he had no idea what he was doing out there, like every single play. <laughs> so like he's, he's got, um, I, I shouldn't say every single play. I don't want to be too harsh on him, but I, I just think his instincts are very behind right now. And he's someone who's going to have a, a steep hill to climb to be ready to play at, at the next level. I think he's someone who's going to have to play a very specific role um, right away if he's going to be able to contribute whatsoever, I've been seeing some hype about him being a late first round, second round guy. I wouldn't take a chance on him until like late third round to get bet on his athleticism, maybe on day three, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing with Simpson as much just because the instincts just don't seem to be there. There, there are a lot of times where he looks lost at least from what I see. And, you know, I think he has a lot of upside. It's, he's going to have to go to the right situation. If he does, I think there's a lot to work with there. If he doesn't though, he's somebody that I'm not sure he makes it through his rookie contract. So that that's kind of my worry with him. Um, it's not that I wouldn't take a chance on him. Or I wouldn't draft him, but like, again, not early second round. It's like late third round, early day three. I take a chance on him there, but 
yeah, there's I, there were some worrisome signs for him when I when I went back and actually dug into him a little bit more and not just looking at like his physical profile because there is uh, on a baseline I, I do see the appeal to him, but yeah, on a down to down basis, there's a lack of consistency consistency there uh, for me. Um, so real quick to end this thing before we wrap it up here, you said um, we have to talk about strategy for the Bears at linebacker. Like I mentioned before early in the podcast, like. Linebacker is probably not going to be a huge need for this team. Like Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Jack Sanborn is going to be your top three linebackers here. Um, they made another signing in free agency for a special teamer. I, the, the name is escaping me right now, but you know, it seems like they have at least four linebackers in the roster that you feel pretty good about. So, you know, th- there is some room to add some competition, like maybe a fifth or sixth guy to this roster. So, I mean, when you look at the draft, you say, would you even bother addressing linebacker given how weak this class is, or or would you punt that to maybe next year to kind of add a guy? See, I would say you probably end up punting it to next year. Now, it's it's weird because with this team, it's such a double-edged sword. Like, you know you're going into the year with TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds starting. But then there's also questions, I think, about Jack Sanborn. And again, no slight to Jack Sanborn. Phenomenal player, phenomenal guy to interview. But part of me, and I understand I'm being a bit negative here, but you also have to consider how just the lack of talent that this roster had last year, which kind of enabled Jack Sanborn to get inserted into the starting lineup. And let's be real, you know, there's not many players on the Bears offense or defense last year that I look at and say, yeah, you sh- would be starting if the roster was currently what it is. So Sanborn's one of those guys, like, again, UDFA took advantage of his opportunities, but now you wonder, do the Bears bring someone in to compete with him? And maybe that is, you know, a mid-round guy. But also, if there's one thing we know about Matt Eberflus is that he loves his linebackers. So if the right player is there, I would not be surprised to see this team go ahead and pull the trigger just because Eberflus works magic and will find a fit for this guy. Now, here's the thing. it It's polarizing because you could see the Bears waiting till next year to address it, but ultimately when you look at it like – at this point, you've got so you spent big on linebackers and free agency. You also went ahead and signed Dylan Cole as a depth piece. So it just does not make logical sense for you to spend a premium draft pick when again you've got other needs at other more important positions on a linebacker this year. Yeah, for me, I wouldn't address until like maybe the sixth or seventh round. I think there are bigger needs on this team. I, I don't. I just don't think there's a, a path to playing time for a guy if they draft him any, anywhere before that. If you want to take a chance on a guy on like late day three on his athletic profile or some of that can be you know a special team contributor. I think you know why not take a flyer there? But otherwise, like I wouldn't even think about it with this class. Again, it's not a good year to draft a linebacker. If anything. I think that is why the Bears were so aggressive in addressing linebacker and free agency because they saw the draft class, saw that it wasn't one they wanted to invest in, especially with some of the other needs and some of the other positions that are a strength in this draft. Um, and they decided, to, you know, hey, we can get Tremaine Evans, we can get T.J. Edwards, we can short this linebacker core. We have Jack Sanborn on the roster who we know is a capable starter um, when he does get the opportunity. Um, and maybe he's going to be a better special teamer for us in the meantime. But yeah, I, I yeah, I, I struggle to see a fit at linebacker in this draft because I, I just don't think it's a position they should be uh worrying about this year. But you know, again, maybe they find a guy late on day three that they want to bring in and, and give him a shot. Um so with that said, it's gonna wrap it up for us here on the Picks for Polls podcast. We covered a lot today, a lot of prospects that we went over. Um we only have one of these to go. We're gonna be covering cornerback and safeties for our last position preview. Uh, the 2023 draft class it's it's again I, I keep on saying it, you say it, but we're getting closer and closer to the draft it's it's getting exciting man um so for all of our listeners out there thank you once again for tuning into this episode make sure to follow us on all podcasting platforms or like rate subscribe review and all pos- podcasting platforms for the bear report and blue wire pods um make sure to follow us on social media at picks for polls give us a follow there for any updates especially once we get closer to the draft um, you said, where can listeners find you on social media and find your work? 
yes, you guys can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. You can also check out my work on the Bear Report website. A lot of NFL draft content dropping over the next couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AGFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Continue to get scouting reports out there. I got my scouting reports on Paris Johnson Jr. and Anton Harrison, two offensive tackles in this upcoming draft class that you can check out on the Bear Report. With that that said, uh, we'll see you guys next week for our last position preview of this draft cycle, looking at the cornerbacks and safeties. Until that time, Bears fans, bear down and have yourself a good weekend. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.